Take it away, CJ. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Actually, I think that's leaving. Goes one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. We are also live streaming to Twitch. And if you like the Ramones or like talking about the Ramones, come and join us on YouTube, okay? Because we're not really focused on the Twitch. Not the Twitch, the TikTok. It's the TikTok. Sorry. And I got I got all my platforms confused because I'm not uh I'm a I don't know, I guess I'm a millennial, an exennial. Well, I don't know. I'm in that weird time where I'm not like I'm an elder, I'm either an elder millennial, I'm not a Gen Xer, I'm too young to be a Gen Xer, and I'm just on the cusp of the first millennial age. And so, you know, it's this weird thing where, you know, we had the radio, we taped things off the radio. We, what else did we do? <laughs> we were there before the internet. We grew up with computers. We're the first generation, that's not true. They grew up with computers in the 80s. I, I wasn't conscious for the 80s. How about that? I was born in 85. My guest, my co-host, my guest co-host today, uh, Kevin Vonsper, a.k.a. Kevin45, as I like to call him, he was also born in the 80s. I think he's a, maybe a year or two older than me. I don't know if he remembers the 80s well enough. And the reason why Kevin is waiting in the digital green room, he's waiting in the wings right now, is because uh, he was the one who gave me the idea for the show. It was, he brought it to my attention and I thought, well, it's only, you know, right to have Kevin on as Kevin is, uh, uh, Kevin loves this stuff as much as I do. And, um, yeah, we just, we, we like having him friend to the show, friend to the network. And, um, he's got his own podcast empire that he's slowly building. Although he says he's kind of slowing down a little bit. You could check him out. His, his channel is in the description. He does a Guar podcast. If you're into Guar, that's the place to go. Um, and yeah, man, without further ado, let's bring him out. Got Kevin. Hey, now. Hello. Hey, now, Kevin. it's hey, me, what's going on? Kevin Von Esper. I always say Von Spur. It's Von Esper. Well, it's a made up name anyway, so you can butcher it however you like. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, how you doing? Yeah, today, 80, 84 baby here. So. Yeah. So, you I know, so you, uh, we were in that rare generation. Yes. I mean, I guess you would say that, that the Ramones existed during. Right. We were alive for the Ramones. We were alive for the Ramones, but we never, we weren't really old enough to see them, but isn't that sad? Like we're alive yeah. for the Ramones, we're not old enough to really see them unless you had like a, Unless you had some like, you know, crazy situation where someone's taking you to shows when you're like, I Man. mean, I did see my first rock shows when i was 11 which is about that age where the so Ramones were playing their final shows so it's possible but it just it was unlikely i absolutely could i they they played their last show when i was 10 so yeah about i was 11 10. i guess so so 95 yeah, right late yeah. i'm late 85 so i could have an r r king in the comments he was born in 84 so he, he's with us and you know uh, he says, Too old for TikTok, right? But still a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> we are too old for TikTok. Uh, if you grew up in the '90s like I did, you were part of the last generation of pure innocence with no social media. Yeah, Kevin, flash that again. I'm live on TikTok yeah. right now, breaking into the TikTok sphere. Look at that. Well, yeah, I get it. It's not quite the same broadcast, but you got your phone going on. You know, yeah. I mean, they can't hear me. No one can hear me on TikTok, but whatever. We're not here for TikTok. I don't even know why I'm broadcasting TikTok. It's just because it got turned on and I can. 
We got to talk about Ramones. We have some serious business Ramones. But oh, wait, 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 I got to show you my shirt because I, it's brand new okay. and it's not Ramones, Ramones related, but I thought you'd appreciate it. Oh, dude, I have the same shirt. Yeah, I finally got one. I have the same shirt. It's it's a size but too if small. If you know, you know. Yeah. And and we'll leave it there. Or or maybe I'm a size too fat, but <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't fit me very well. Um, it's a great shirt. You gotta it's cut a, it up and make it a patch then. Yeah, I was thinking of that actually. I was thinking about just taking the symbol and turning it into a patch. Death Records G jacket, you know, punk. Yeah, jacket. exactly. Just like just like the the biker gang, you know, um yeah. Death Records Forever. We were just talking. I just want to touch on this just real quickly, one for one more microsecond. So we are this rare age. We are kind of the first generation of the internet, I would say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Officially. I remember when it was just text based, and like if you had, it'd take like a day or two to download a picture. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and also, and also, I remember Winamp, yeah, which was the first that. MP3 player. And if you wanted to, if you wanted an MP3, you actually had to go to a chat room in AOL and trade around. Hey, who's got this song? I don't remember that part, but I believe I, I, it. I, that was how I first sourced MP3s as a youngster before Napster hit. And listen, let's whether we're proud of it or not, we all partook in the great Napster revolution. It was just a way of life. Um, we know it's wrong now, but at the time it was just, you know, hey, fuck those. I always, I always supported <laughs> the artists that I loved, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, so, Kevin, Kevin, if, Kevin. If there's Kevin any moral included. compass to this, you know, of course I did that as well. But if I, you know, I'd still go see the band and buy the CD at Tower Records, which was sure. too expensive. So, it, you know, it was like a blessing and a curse because... I love Tower Records, but it was like that's why CDs died because it was way too expensive at the end. Too it's much, true, man. They just got greed. Uh, sorry, they just got greedy, man. It was like eighteen ninety nine for a CD, and it's just like yeah, fuck that's you, ridiculous. Man. Fuck man. Like, what do you think's gonna happen? You know, but at the same time, and I was young, so I wasn't I like, like to... I didn't have money. I still don't have money, but you know, right? I tried. I did my something? best. But you want to know something? In the years since, as an adult, I have made more than enough amends to those artists in in uh in droves you know from yeah. seeing from buying records to seeing live shows especially if i knew it was yeah. a band that i had downloaded when i was a wee youth and well, so i feel less uh here's, here's a segue question for you have yes. you ever seen a ramones member play live when yes form? yes i have i well I've seen CJ Ramon and Daniel Ray do okay. a Ramon set at the Continental before it oh, shut wow. down. Wow. So nice. the Ramones used to play the Continental all the time. And I never saw Marky Ramon live, but I did interview Marky hmm. um, under some strange circumstances. Uh, oh, yeah. Hawk and pasta sauce. But oh, um, right. <laughs> You know, I, I'll be honest, man. No, no, nothing against Marky. I just kind of feel weird going to see a bunch of a bunch of dudes moonlighting as like Ramon wannabes with Marky Ramon blasting away on the drums. Like I, I'm in awe of Marky's playing, but I just don't feel like shelling out whatever it is thirty bucks to like see Marky Ramon on a drum riser. It just doesn't. Well, I, I, I saw Marky twice, but 
yeah, his singer at the it. time was Andrew WK. So it was like a twofer for me. Well, that's a twofer. And you yeah, know, that, I, that was that's a pretty crazy thing to, to experience. And I saw and that know, twice. If it wasn't, you know, and 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 if Michael Graves wasn't Michael, Graves I didn't see today, the Michael Graves when he was in the band. Yeah, I, I probably would have checked. But that I've out seen was the, the right, Michael Graves right show, and this there is all relevant because uh, the album that they did release in 1995 was produced by Daniel Ray, as I refreshed my memory today. Yes, he's like, listen, after Johnny Ramone and maybe Mickey Lee or tandem with Mickey Lee, I would say Daniel Ray is like the true heir to any kind of Ramones tribute guitar spot, right? Like he that's co-wrote a lot of these songs on this album yeah. too, I see. Kind of this like must have been the, they must have been in the studio at the same time as he was recording The Misfits about. Uh, I'm sure year. he probably was doing double duty, man, for sure. Because No, no, no. More like no, one after not. the other. No, he was not because the Ramones probably recorded their last album in 95, Adios Amigos, if not late 96. It they came out in 94. So probably, yeah, they probably recorded it. Yeah. And then Misfits didn't record American Psycho or at least begin until 96 or 97. So it, it well, does oh, not Oh, yeah, overlap. because this came out in January. Oh, no. Recorded January, February 95. However, however, um, Daniel Ray, Daniel Ray absolutely 100%. Uh, what's the word? He... He he had he was he was uh he he had he inherited Marky Ramone's guitar. And Ramone? not Marky Ramone, Johnny Ramone. Johnny Ramone. It was Johnny Ramone's guitar, my bad. He inherited Johnny Ramone's guitar and sold it for a million dollars. Holy crap. Yeah. That that guitar went for a million dollars. We've covered that before on Man. the channel. So Daniel Ray cleaned up. I don't know what his what you know what kind of producing royalties he might have gotten from the Ramones, but he absolutely I, cleaned up. Not as much yeah. as that, yeah. You know the, the irony, we're not selling those kind of records, and that's kind of what the part of this discussion is about. Actually, it, it's 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 even more ironic because one of the reasons why the Ramones are were not did not end up on Epitaph, which is the topic of discussion, the soup du jour, if you will. For today is specifically because of a million dollar goal that Johnny Ramone had, and the irony mm. that if he had just lived mm. twenty years after his death, he could have roughly twenty years he could have sold that guitar for a million dollars. Well, that's that's a tall order, sir. You're gonna have to live another twenty years. Oh my God! But it's just the irony the the irony that he that's that i mean the irony that he friggin like didn't survive to see his guitar mm. sell for a million dollars and he shot himself in the foot and his band in the foot specifically for that reason let me dive into the material I'm yeah, gonna dive into and the by material, the way i just we'll need to add that i am in no way a ramones expert i just happen to reach this subject so you know what but you know what I like about you, Kevin? You can talk music and yeah. you understand music. And I'm not, listen, I'm not an expert either, but you, but the both of us understand music and you are a musician. So yeah. it's like, you're actually kind of a rad co-host for this specific oh, discussion. So I'm really, I'm kind of stoked. Uh, well, then let me for that. hawk my wares, buy my CDs, buy his CDs. I got my new Christmas single and my album. Welcome to my Do pity it. party. And Do that's, it. All right. 
I did. I did my I, promo. I'm in the welcome to his pity party music video. I haven't you seen it. You will be when it's wait. when it's done. Yeah. I've I'm working me. on it very slowly. You tag me. We'll play it live on the I'll I'll do like an, an, an embed or whatever. I'll 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 pull it up during the live stream one day and we'll play the track. Yeah. Well live. When, um, when I when I finish the video, I'll let right, you know. Right, right, right. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. It's uh we're going to this is we're turning this this is turning into the lecture now the lecture portion, and then it will turn into a symposium. So I have called three interviews here with C.J. Ramon because the source of this information comes, in fact, from C.J. Ramon himself. And I, I wish I remembered where I ori originally heard this whole thing. I don't. I just mentioned it thinking it was common knowledge in the Ramon's world, and I guess it was not. I'll it was probably on a podcast somewhere. I don't know who was talking, whether it was Brett Gerwitz or CJ or I've Marky, read all the knows. Ramones books. I've read all the Ramones books, and I have never – I read Marky's book. I read uh, Johnny's book. I read I Slept with Joey Ramone. I read uh, Dee Dee's book, although I guess it wouldn't be in Dee Dee's book. I don't think CJ's written a book, but I have never mm -hmm. once, never once seen – this mentioned and maybe it was wow. and i just missed it i don't think it's in monty's book um so to hear cj talk the people about, need to know well i just think it's really interesting and it's funny that cj of course of all people is the one to speak about it because at the end of the day cj was the new blood of the band mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. to begin we have to begin here uh we begin with first acknowledging that didi ramon so didi ramon the the creative songwriting force of the band probably wrote the lion's share of the material with Joey, of course. That was the, the core creative engine. He gets burnt out and eventually leaves the Ramones for a slew of factors that we're not going to get into here. And then CJ Ramon, uh, he gets the spot. And he's a Ramones fan. He reveres the Ramones. He comes into the spot. And he kind of gets, you know, he's friends with everybody. But I guess he kind of gets taken under Johnny's wing. At least that's how it always gets told in the lore or and whatnot in from the things that i've read and you gotta pick a gonna, side right johnny or joey you gotta pick a side because the yeah. dynamic here that's a good point let's bring that up too the dynamic within the band is as follows especially in the 90s whatever the second the, the 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 final lineup of the ramones which was stable for about seven years and probably could have remained stable as long as they wanted to keep going that lineup was pretty stable. I think they would have just so they had a good working relationship. <laughs> yes, precisely. And so this was the, their job and they did their job well. You had um Marky and CJ were kind of like the glue between Johnny and Joey and kind of could jump from being pals with Joey to being friendly with Johnny back and forth, that sort of thing. Um and so here's CJ in a, we're going to read three different answers. They're short. We're going to read what he says in three. These are the only three interviews I could find where, where it was mentioned. Uh, and like I said, only CJ brings this up. Um, this, the first one's from punknews.org. And uh, this is from 2009, I believe. And in it, uh, the question is, so once the band left Sire Records, because the, the Ramones were on Sire Records for years, and, well, I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, apparently, the Ramones almost signed with Epitaph Records. How come that didn't happen? Uh, CJ says, at the time, this is one of the biggest arguments and one of the real times I stood up to Johnny 
with something having to do with business. Uh, you know, you know, not just what you know, not just this isn't tied properly. You know, yeah, not just our record company contract coming to an end, but the booking agency that contract was coming to an end, and Stormy Shepherd from Leave Home Bookings was trying to get the Ramones to jump on with her. And I started to hear Johnny talking about signing with our manager's label. Our manager was starting up Radioactive Records. And one day we were in the dressing room and I was like, Johnny, you've ran this band for years. You've single-handedly carried the whole thing. I don't understand how you don't see the conflict of interest of signing your management's record, signing to your management's record label. Just business-wise, I don't understand how you don't see that. You're really throwing away the last few years of your career. These guys over at Epitaph, they grew up listening to you. They will do anything to give you the commercial success you never had. Putting a pin in there for one second, the Ramones always wanted to get a number one hit. They always did. You know, they, you know, this whole thing about punk and, and they wanting this. Deserved, they deserved it too. Of course they deserved it, but like they always wanted a number one hit. They, they, this whole thing about, you know, not selling out or whatever. I mean, the Ramones always wanted to be mainstream or break break through to the mainstream and find mainstream success and yes, time remember, and, the ramones wanted to be a, a pop band and they ended up as a punk band very <laughs> true because they, they couldn't play <laughs> and and you know they got to a certain point and i forget what album it was but they got to a certain point where they were just like they were just like okay it's never going to happen and we're just resigned to just never resigned to what they had done and accomplished. And I think that really happened post rock and roll high school. Once they, once they had done stuff with Phil Spector and nothing had come of that, they kind of figured they were kind of resigned to that. This is probably never going to happen. Joey always was eternally optimistic, but Johnny had given up. John, Johnny's like, I just want to get my, my nesting. So to continue back, he says, you're really throwing away, CJ says to Johnny, you're really throwing away the last few years of your career. These guys over at Epitaph, they grew up listening to you. They will do, do anything to give you the commercial sex, success that you never had. Your manager is going to do the same thing he's done all along. He's going to dump your stuff out there. You're going to bust your ass with no support from anybody, and you're going to ride out the rest of your career the way that it's been up to now. And he was like, well, when you're in the business as long as I am, you can tell me how to run the band. But what I did not realize or understand at the time was that Johnny had worked out all kinds of backdoor deals to make cash money. Johnny's whole thing was that he was retiring and he wanted to have as much cash in the bank as possible. He had written off on being successful years before. After End of the Century came out, he realized that the band was never going to break. So there you go, End of the Century. He realized that he was that the band was never going to break big and that they were just going to have to get out there and pound pavement and make money on their own. So he worked out all kinds of deals and got a huge advance. We spent very little of it. Meaning, uh, Kevin, could you chime in here, please, and explain? Hello, Angus. Hello, Rennie. Uh, could you please explain um, how a record advance works? Uh, back in the 90s from from what you know and understand about the business yeah i mean well i'm not sure this is a little confusing to me i wish there was more specifics to it because uh it sounds like he was getting non-record label advances for like maybe products or something else beyond music 
but a record advance is the record label will give you X amount of money to make your record and promote your record and tour your record. But then you have to make all that money back before you actually like get paid. This is basically what a record advance is. So a lot of people who get a million dollar advance are like, this is great. We made it. It's like, no, you got to pay that shit back first. And a lot, and lot of bands, a, a lot of a very bank. successful artists never even do, you know. So, you know, so basically Johnny here, and again, we're going to read this two more times because CJ varies his verbiage slightly. Yeah. And we want to be thorough here because that's what we do on the From Us channel. And I know Kevin is meticulous when it comes to this information as well uh, in this kind of way, diligence in, in, in research. Um, so that's what he means when they, when they say we were going to get a huge advance. This was an advance that they would have to um pay back against royalties so okay that makes sense i was thinking his back-end deals were non-music record label related no the, the advance idea, would be coming from the record label right so what i think what cj is illustrating here uh you know aligned with what you were saying as well is that johnny's going well i can get a really big advance because it's my manager's label and then I don't really give a shit if we don't make, I know we're never going to break big, but I know I can get a negotiate big advances for us. And I'm trying to get to this a million dollars. So all I have to yeah. do is they, spend as must... little money as I need to make this record. And then I don't care if we never, if the royalties never come in, I'm just going to bank that my, my advance is, is exactly what it is. It's an advance on my royalties and they can spend the time trying to make that money back on the royalties. I don't give a shit. That's what I take from it. Epitaph must be rolling in that new money, you know, at this moment, because 1994 on Epitaph, Smash by The Offspring comes out, Let's Go by yep. Rancid, Punk and Dreblick by No Effects, Pennywise. Was Dookie on Epitaph? I don't it was not. So. It was not. But Dookie, the reason why I always bring up Oh, Dookie, yeah. But I mean, they elevated each other because Dookie... And offspring. I remember those were like number yeah, one hits, basically. Yeah, but Dookie it, was the gateway to all of the epitaph bands. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what's ironic is, and again, we and talked offspring. about this a little bit on the channel, that Nirvana opened the door for alternative music yeah. and then obviously dies off in a big bag way in 94. Literally. Just as Dookie, just as Dookie comes out. Isn't that yes. interesting? Yes. And then Dookie picks up the slack and you know, for instance, Fat Records, Fat Mike talks about in his book, um, which is a great read if you have not read it, The Hepatitis Bathtub. He's like, we started to make all insane amounts of money as an independent label because everybody wanted anything that was remotely like that Dookie record in the same mm -hmm. way that anybody wanted anything that could be classified as grunge because Couple of Nirvana. Years. Yeah, earlier. So, yep. the, yes, there was This was the big money. punk resurgence of the 90s the probably the most famous i mean sure. up until that point this was the most famous punk had ever gotten i mean top 10 hits all over the place right in the sense that you know punk had been an international phenomena in the 77 but it had never done right right actual business the way it was doing in the 90s and all and the, you know uh, you know, I hate Reagan and Reagan trickle down economics and think that's all bullshit. But in this, here's a scenario where trickle down economics was actually working. It was trickling down. The, the big boys were were going platinum like Dookie and whatnot. And then all the all the little labels were getting to, to, to eat off of that success 
and everybody, it was fruitful. It was a good time to be an independent recording artist, musician. And it was a great time to be, you know, at Epitaph for sure on some mm-hmm. level. Um, but, but oh, that's yeah. where, and that's where Johnny Ramon goes, here's my out. I've been doing this for decades and it's not working. Really, they were at it for two decades. It feels like it's funny how like the Grateful Dead and the Ramones were like literally around for like Grateful Dead Mm -hmm. around for thirty years. Ramones around for twenty two years, but we feel like it was like like these epically long eras. When in reality, you look at like some band like Eve Six has been Eve Six has been a band for like thirty years now. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you know it's kind of funny Uh, longevity, you know, in that kind of way. so hold on, where was I? I'm getting lost here. Joey and Johnny probably just split the money and there are all kinds of little things like that going on, which even after I learned that, I found really unfortunate that he basically sold out the end of his career, you know, his chance at real success for the Ramones and what amounted to a couple hundred thousand dollars. So um, that's one thing that was said. I'm going to stop this real quick. And then we'll Kevin and I are really, we'll get into the meat of it. We're just going to, I just want to make sure that we're being thorough here. Um, we got to go to the next one real quick. Here we go. While um, you're pulling the, that up, do pulling you know, that up, Jamie. Do you want to do you want a <laughs> a little trivia about Epitaph Records that I yeah, discovered? please do, please do while I'm while I'm doing this. Go this ahead. is not in any of the books, but you know who Epitaph was courting in about 1990, and wait, wait, wait. wanted to guess. sign. Go ahead. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, who they were recording in 19... 19- okay, you got to give me a little bit more of a hint. Okay, uh, I'm working on a giant project about them. Ooh, uh, oh, fucking Haunted Garage? For real? Epitaph recorded a whole demo with Haunted Garage in 1989 with Donnell the Surgeon. They were recording them. They didn't quite have the success they had yet. So Metal Blade offered them more money and they signed with Metal Blade. But yes, Epitaph went so far as recording demos for an album for them like they really wanted haunted garage and i'm not sure which label wanted this but one of them wanted butch big to produce their record so in an alternate universe haunted garage comes out in 1990 with a record on epitaph records produced by butch vig and it would have altered the course of history would have been insane. What's up, room work? Wow. Uh, okay, we now have we now have our resident um, our resident Ramones expert is in the house. Room work. Oh, sweet. He can fill in any any uh, stuff. And Keith is here. Hi, Keith. He says Merry from us and a Jeffrey mm-hmm. New Year. I love it. Thank oh, you. Oh, and Keith. you're coming Merry out with a Christmas song. <laughs> I no, you know that was oh yeah 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 yeah. So after your stream, yeah, I thought about uh, it and I was like, you know, I saw that oh, come up like right after. I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, stop being such a fucking wiener about your voice and shit, and just fucking like put it out. I've literally, I've had that thing for like six years, and I was like, I can't release this; it's too stupid. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And and it is kind of tied into the Ramones too, because as I was reading Dee Dee Ramones' biography. Um, he talked about all the songs he had written before the Ramones, hmm. songs that he had written in his head completely and just never did anything with them. They just stayed in Dee Dee Ramones' head and he was li- listing off oh, some of the names. And one of them was a song called Christmas in the Crypt. And I thought that what a crazy idea for a song. So I wrote a song based on that title 
and tried That's to sing so it in my best Dee Dee voice. And um, that is that song is actually very much inspired by Dee Dee Ramone and is. Oh, man, I want like, the Dee Dee Ramone Lost Songs collection. Oh my God. Next to the uh, Misfits, you know, Black Box in the Basement yeah. collection. Oh, wouldn't that be something? Um, so if you want to hear Christmas in the Crypt, it's on my channel. I'm just telling you, these are just songwriting experiments. There's three songs on there. There's that. There's Drink Your Blood from 2010. And there's another track called Why Does Love Have to Be This Way? So if you wanna if you wanna hear that if you're if you're if your curiosity is piqued, go check it out. But let's jump into this. It says, yeah. um, all right, so here's the question where he gets into it. He's actually this is a great, I've read this interview before, but I don't remember this part about Epitaph because I remember um, the them talking about Loco Live, uh, which mm. is uh, infamously not actually a live record. Um, it's one so, of those, huh? Rue is in the middle of cooking for tomorrow's Christmas party at work. Ooh. Hey, Rue, you focus on the cooking and we'll focus on the entertain entertaining you while you cook. Um and uh okay let's let's dive into this this is really small print i'm going to try my best she says uh what did the tapes sound like before they did overdubs and I, he's talking about ramones alive you know what i'm not going to get this is this is going to be this is so convoluted uh <laughs> the live tracks themselves didn't sound it never really sounded like a super exciting ramones show it just he's talking about local life actually it just never sounded like a really really exciting ramones show i think everyone was too conscious of the fact uh that we were being recorded and it sounded a little bit on the stiff side from the get-go however it still sounded better than all the little fluffs and mistakes that, uh in it than the final product so it's one of those things and believe me i used to hold my tongue in the beginning around that local live thing all i did was just be like hey johnny do you think it's a good idea to let this guy produce the record if he's never listened to the ramones and he'd go i see what you're saying but gary likes the guy so we're gonna go with him and i would try to do it like that but one time i just could not hold my tongue and i had to say something uh and i had to say something oh here it is so he held his tongue on local live but he did not hold his tongue when our recording contract and our management contract were both coming to an end simultaneously. Brett Gerwitz of Epitaph Records was following us around, begging us to let him put out the next Ramones record. See, this is why you always read multiple interviews, mm -hmm. because the wording is different, and he's using a lot more detail in this one. Uh, Brett, So Brett is following them around, begging him. Brett, also from Bad Religion. Right. Brett Gerwitz, who founded Epitaph Records. Thank you, Kevin. Who, who founded Bad Religion and Epitaph Records with uh, Greg Gaffin. Well, he, he founded Bad Religion with Greg. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, so Brett was literally following them in Amsterdam. He came to see us and literally was begging Johnny and Joey to let him do it. And then we had Storm, uh, Stormy Shepherd. I can't remember the name of her company. But she was booking everybody, all those bands, Rancid, The Offspring. She had an unbelievable roster of bands, and she was booking. And she was saying, I'll put you on tour with these bands that are huge now. Because they were huge for the reasons that they Kevin were and I. Huge. They were top 10 hit huge. Right. Because of everything we were talking about before. They're your fans. You can do whatever you want. You will be playing in front of kids who like that style of music. So we basically had the new punk empire courting us at the same time 
Gary Kerfurst, who was their longtime manager, had just worked out a deal where he was going to get his own record label. So I heard Johnny and Joey talking about it, and they're talking about going with Gary. And I lost my fucking mind. I was like, Johnny, I can't believe you see the conflict of interest. How can you have your manager owning your record company in no business, sorry, in no business universe known to mankind, would anybody ever submit themselves to something like that? This is a major conflict of interest. And I can't believe that you've been in the business this long and you don't see that you've got an entire industry at this point built around punk rock. So that's a great point. That's not made in the previous, in the previous uh, uh, answer interview. The idea that punk rock has finally caught up with the Ramones, where the yeah. Ramones can can do whatever they want, and and Johnny and Joey are so tired and burnt out from the whole thing that they're just like fuck it, let's cash out. They just can't see the forest for the trees. So um, he says, "Why would you go with Gary and re-sign with the record company uh, that you gave some of the greatest rock and roll ever?" recorded to and that couldn't get you a gold record it's such a great point their greatest mm-hmm. songs were given to these guys and they didn't do shit with it why would you continue to work with them it goes against logic i don't understand how you could even be considering it and johnny's answer to me was shortened to the point when you have as many years in the business as i do then you can make the decisions so at that point i realized that it was completely pointless to try and discuss business stuff with johnny so he signed with Gary. Uh, the record came out and sold about what Ramones usually sold. And we went and toured in the same shitty little cu- clubs throughout the States that the Ramones did for most of their career. And they retired without ever getting what they strived throughout their careers to get. And that's sad, too, because I think the last four years of their career could have been the best four years of their career. But instead, they just rode the wave of mediocrity out. And granted, they got put in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which to me doesn't mean shit. (laughs) But to be denied that final shot at true commercial stardom was just a shame. It was just a shame. It was just a shame. But But I think there were all kinds of backroom deals and people making money at the back door and under the table and everything else that affects people's decisions. That's the side that nobody really gets to see. But I really wanted to see them get a fucking gold record. And it's amazing. CJ is a Ramon. He's a full-fledged Ramon. He he could talk about us getting a fucking gold record, but it's interesting how he says to see them get a, a fucking gold record because even CJ understood his place in that band and who he was in relation to that band. And I think that's pretty rad, like pretty humbling of him to do that. I really wanted to see them do it. And not for me, because I could give a shit. I played with the Ramones, and that's all I cared about. I don't need the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to pat me on the back. I don't need anybody to tell me what my role was or how important I was. I was, uh, sorry, Johnny and Joey told me how important I was. Johnny and Joey told me what they thought of me. The fans told me their reaction to me and how I'd been treated. And that is my fucking badge of honor. See, that's why CJ Ramone's a fucking G, man. And that's all I needed. I don't need any of that other stuff. Since the band split up, everybody has tried to minimize what I did in the Ramones. And I told you before, I don't even respond. People say he was no Didi. And the response is nobody could have been Didi, though, of course. But we're not going to go there. That's that's a whole other huge, huge, huge <laughs> subject. 
that we can't. And there's one last one. It's a tiny little answer. One last one we got we to gotta look at before we continue. Oh, look who's here, man. Amy. Amy, what's up? Merry from us to you, Amy. I like this. Instead of instead of Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah, it's just Merry from us. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm all about it. <laughs> uh, hope you're well, Amy. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we got one more. We got one more to go. This is the last one, and then we're gonna bust open this discussion after a quick, um, a quick commercial break, of course. Rastickers.com. You know, I always think of it as faster because I always listen to you in in a faster speed. I know. <laughs> so I like, think that's. We are the bomb, dude. I do the same thing, man, with all my podcasts. It's just who's got all that fucking time, no, especially no, with this no, fucking no. show where we're just literally yeah. never. Holy shit, Rennie, you are a genius. Merch. That's that's a fucking merch item. Mary from us. I love it. Mm. Holy shit. I'm, I'm, that's it. It's turning into a shirt. What, what's the image? Rennie, uh, I'll figure that out. I'll figure that out. But it's, oh, it's going to be the Frumus, fa- the Frumus Moon face from Trip to the Moon with a little Christmas hat. Mm-hmm. It's going to say Mary Frumus. Boom. I, that's a fucking shirt and a half. That's there you it. Go. You need, that's you know, it. you know where you need to get that printed up? Yeah. Oh, yes, I do. At riotstickers.com. Yeah. Riotstickers.com. All right, let's let's see here. CJ signs to Fat Rack Mike's label. Hold on, we gotta find it real quick. Mm. Epitaph. Here we go. Uh, in your old website, I have read an interview in which you said that Brett from Epitaph wanted to put out a Ramones record. Is that true? What happened then? If I remember well, Johnny Ramone said, "Now we already know the answer. We're just doing this super quickly." Yes, Mr. Gerwitz flew to Amsterdam to see us play and tried to convince Johnny and Joey to sign with Epitaph. Unfortunately, Johnny and Joey, I mean, you can't get more serious than flying transcontinental to see the fucking band. He had that <sighs> offspring money, man. Yeah, man. Keith, Keith, absolutely. That Keith invented that technically. He did. He was the first one to say Mary from us. So all the credit goes to Keith, truly. Um, so I mean, he literally flew to Amsterdam. Uh John, unfortunately, Johnny and Joey decided they would sign with the Ramones manager, Gary. Gary's new label, Radioactive. Uh, they had been with Gary for many years and trusted him, unfortunately. In the end, Radioactives, Radioactive Records was no more successful. They had the Ramones recognized, and Sire Records had been, had the Ramones signed with Epitaph. I think that the rest of the career would have been a lot better. Okay, that brings us to the end of that. Uh, real quick, we're just going to discuss one of the stippy, stickiest topics that we have on our channel, riotstickers.com. So you put the Mary on top of the Frumus. Maybe a little Christmas hat. I gotta have a menorah there too for the Jewish shit. So it's like Mary from us. It's not like you know. It's kind of like Happy Holiday. Yeah, it's totally gonna work. Well, it um, should be like um, instead of Jeff from us on your logo here, it should say Mary from us. You know, it like could. Mid- it could. Although it's a pain in the ass to change this thing. That's oh, why I yeah. never change the overlay. I could. Yeah. I could. It's just a pain in the ass to do it. Uh, so anyway, RiotStickers.com is the sponsor of the From Us channel. As a matter of fact, I'm so I got to respond to a Riot Stickers email after this show. Um, we have a special promotion with Riot Stickers. You can see they printed the banner right behind me. Riot Stickers oh. rules. Um, oh, Kevin, Kevin is also. I'll, fi- uh, I'll find some while you play. Well the, acquainted, the well acquainted with RiotStickers.com. Um, we have a special promotional deal with Riot Stickers. You cannot find this deal anywhere else on the internet. You can only find it here at the Promise Channel. Link is in the description down below. You can get seventy nine. Uh, sorry, you can get a thousand stickers for seventy nine dollars. Do you understand? 
a thousand stickers for $79. That's seven cents a sticker. Now look at these stickers. What's special about these stickers? They're fucking got a UV coating on them. They're printed on vinyl. So they're waterproof and they're sunproof and they're weatherproof. I love throwing the stickers at the camera. It's so much fun. Boom. Just like that. And we're going to do one more time. Boom. We keep throwing them at the camera. So riotstickers.com, like I said, you can get a thousand stickers for $79. We're going to be doing some new content with Riot Stickers uh, in 2023. That's coming up. I can't wait. Love having uh, Sharpie Riot on the channel. Shout out to Sharpie Riot. Riotstickers.com backslash from us. It's the only place you're going to get this deal. I challenge you to try and find a better deal. Now let's go to our nip handy dandy less than Jake penned theme song. It's the guy from less than Jake. It's not the whole band. Um, I forget the name of the guy. In any case, here we go. Right to the show. Stickers. Yeah, right stickers. Woo! Yeah. Thank you, right stickers. Wait, let me try this. <laughs> Isn't it fun? That's fun. It didn't that make it so much of a mess. That's great. Angus yeah. has the song memorized. That's oh, awesome. You know, I saw less than Jake recently. Oh, how was that? Well, I went to see the Aquabats, but um, it was cool to, to say I saw less than Jake too. Oh my god, you know, fuck. I I I knew fuck I missed that show. Yeah, Fucking, it's a Starland together. in New Jersey. Oh my god, what a bill. What a great ska. Oh, the Aquabats bill. were so good. I love the Aquabats. My son loves that show. We we watch the show all the time. The uh Yoga Gabba Gabba? No, the the Aquabats. Oh, the Aquabats. You know they created Yoga Gabba Gabba as well. I did. I did yeah. know that. This is the Aquabats. Yeah, the Super Show is great. Here we go. Oh, it's so freaking good, man. I, I, man, those episodes are super rewatchable. Um, okay, so now here's the big $64,000 question. Um, obviously, the Ramones were really stupid not to do this. We explained briefly before that Johnny had a plan. He was like, I'm going to retire and I need a million dollars in the bank in order to do it. And he's talked about it in his book. And so the idea of, the idea of, but of 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 in Johnny's mind, I imagine that he's like, well, there's still a risk that it's not going to work, that we're not going to be received, and why do I want to put myself out there and risk when I know that I have a six figures guaranteed? You know, if I take if we pocket most of this advance money, because who's getting that advance money? It's Johnny and Joey getting the advance money, right? And then the rest of them are side guys. So yeah, I'm sure they were hired hands at that point, basically. Well, in the business. Marky, especially I, CJ. 
CJ might have been, but Marky, I don't think CJ got any t-shirt money. I'm not sure. I don't know if I don't know if Marky got any t-shirt money. Richie Ramon left because he didn't get any t-shirt money. And I think I think Marky was a full-fledged partner. And then when he was fired from the band, he when he came back, he was no longer a full-fledged partner. I right. don't know who knows right. the details. Um Real? Rue, Rue might know. I don't know if Rue can. Rue is cooking a uh, Christmas right. meal for uh, yeah, no everybody pressure, no job. pressure. So don't burn anything. But if Rue, if Rue has a moment to to write in, we'll, we'll hear what Rue has to say if he knows. I will say, I think out of all of them, I mean, for, I mean, of all of them, Marky kind of Marky kind of made out the best at the end, right? He's the one that is literally well. He's still alive and touring. He's still alive and touring. He's carrying the Ramones name. And, you know, listen, as far as being like a non-writing drummer, like he didn't really contribute to any songwriting. I mean, he's done a pretty good job representing the Ramones. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm as much and as a drummer. punk rock. If you watch that interview with uh, him and hell Jeff, yeah, uh, Johnny Rotten. Oh, my God. I mean, listen, he's played punk. I mean, he played I mean, he played on fucking the blank generation. He played yeah. on a bunch of like crazy shit. You know, um, so you know, I think Marky kind of Marky kind of made out in the end. At the end of the day, you know, I don't know if he's getting Ramones royalties or if those albums have become profitable yet. I'd like to imagine that some of them. I think some of them have gone gold. I think the self-titled album just went gold. Though Marky didn't play on that. Yeah, he had. Yeah, he's not getting that money. I don't think. Okay, Rennie says that Marky got songwriting credits. I don't know about that. Are you sure? I, Renny, listen, I'm not an expert. I can't, I, I would love, please fill us in. Uh, explain that. Because from my understand, when uh, the first four, the first three albums, the songwriting credits were split up 25%, right? Oh, Renny says the song Could Anxiety uh, was written partially by Marky. But that's one song that's not Yeah, I don't think he's hit. making a million bucks on that. That's Ang- I, know, I don't even know that song. I don't even know that song either. He's not he's not making Blitzkrieg Bop money, you know. Yeah. He says some stuff on Mondo Bazaar and Audios Amigos. I mean, he's got mechanical royalties, so maybe he's got a couple little small publishing things. In any case, Marky Ramone has got to live and do many great things on the Ramones name, as he rightfully deserves to and should. But let's get real. If he was really if he really had that Ramones money, he wouldn't be wouldn't have been touring with Jerry only. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe not. Um, But he, man, I'm sure he cleans up down in South America when he does that. When he does that Blitz Blitzkrieg tour, because they were like the Beatles down there. But here's the fun game. Here's the big question. Uh, The big question of the whole show: What happens when? What happens when the Ramones decide to sign with Epitaph instead? Going, we know how things played out with Radioactive. What happens when they sign to Epitaph? I don't want to grow up. Would have been a number one song, I think. Could have I been. I think you're right. And it's I not you know even one of their songs, but it's it's a number one hit. You know what I? You know what else? I mean, listen. They almost they almost you know Bruce Springsteen wrote "Hungry Heart" for the Ramones, <laughs> and it was his manager who said, "Don't you give that song to the Ramones." You keep that song, and it was a number one hit huh. for Bruce Springsteen. That I didn't know. Yeah, because oh, they wait. knew. We, oh, then Romans never did it. They never covered it. Mm. They never covered it. Um, but you know, 
I'd like to imagine, I would like to imagine that um, The Crusher might have been a minor punk hit. Like, everybody would have been it's down a good, with Crusher. It's a banger. Even, you know, it's a banger. Even though that was a rap song at first. <laughs> I, you know, we have to use the term rap so loosely because Vinnie Ramon goes, hey, I'm going to put out a rap album. And then you listen to the rap album and just about every song is a punk rock song. The Ramones version was a bit better to listen to. For oh, me. it's yeah. much better. But the but the D.D. King version is, is absolutely a punk track as well. It's mm. not, it's written, there's nothing... Hip-hop he's he's just so punk rock he can't help it you know that's exactly what i yeah. thought dude i thought the same friggin thing uh that he was so punk rock that he couldn't help but write punk rock songs even when he was trying to write a hip-hop song when dd ramon tries to write a hip-hop song he writes the crusher <laughs> did daniel wright produce that as well uh, he might have he might have but at the end of the day I, I want to believe that the Ramones would have had, would have exploded in popularity. Maybe they would have even had, I don't know if they would have had like a Dookie like masterpiece album that late in the game. I mean, you know, I was reviewing Adios Amigos before this show and it, you know, the production and the songs are there. I feel like with just the difference of record label and promotion and touring, it would have just been, successful <laughs> like right. they i was to like they had that punk it. rock production you know it was good it's i think johnny said it was the best guitar sound he ever had on a ramones album and it was very much a guitar record okay rue rue knows his stuff man rue says that marky sued for royalties around 2002 but he don't doesn't think he ever won any of that now it all of a sudden Marky Ramon playing with Jerry only really really makes a lot more sense because he probably sued, didn't win any money, and was like, "Shit, I'm in the hole. I need to, uh, you know, make some, some money grab. Yeah, yeah, make some make some money." Um, they yes, were getting... Daniel Ray did produce the D.D. King record. Oh, he with did. The crusher on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That's so crazy, man. Um, I like everything CJ does except sing lead. Uh, man, he sings great on the Crusher, though. I love, I love him. I love him on the Crusher. Um, I so so. But here's the question, and I really want to know what everybody thinks in the audience. Uh, whoever is watching this, maybe leave a comment either in the chat or uh, like in the actual comments on the video. What do you think? Do you think that they see success here? I'm going to try and paint an alternate history. In, yes. in my alternate history, the Ramones do not break up in 1996 because they do, in fact, find new um, a, a second wind yeah. in the young audiences when they open up for bands like the, uh, Rancid and, you know, just all those bands. Like They're the Descendants did. Them. You know, we yeah. can compare this to sure. the Descendants. Like when they, you know, all was all was like the Ramones struggling for years. And then you get that new record con contract that new record and that fucking punchy punk 90s sound and it's a hit yep yep and you know ramones probably would have had a track or two i can imagine like i want to be sedated being like re-released on a punkorama or something yeah you know like they, they absolutely would be on on one of those punkorama compilations that we love so much or have talked about in the past 
And um, they, I think they, they would have continued on. Now, here's a question. Would they have gotten into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002? No, I think that that might have happened later because if they were still like out there as a working band, here's something else too. I bet you they make another movie. Bet you mm. they make a you movie so? in like the late 90s. Yeah, they make a movie yeah, along dude. the lines of like Detroit, Detroit Rock, Rock City. City. Yeah, 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 Adam yeah. Rifkin like directs directs a Detroit Rock City style Ramones. I mean, Detroit movie. Rock City is basically rock and roll high school for kiss anyways exactly and that's one of my favorite fucking movies even though i'm yeah, not a kiss I fan it. i love that movie so much that's a from my form of yes keith you're right i'm enough of had it. ramones fest dude maybe Fuck yeah. yeah oh there would have been a ramones fest for sure uh angus says i remember dd king on mtv 120 <laughs> minutes sometime in the 80s immediately i thought it was so bad that it was funny that's yeah, kind dude. of what dd king is is exactly yeah it's a car that's, crash and it's but it's funny it's like it's hilarious yeah for 30 uh, minutes you can like laugh for a little you know <laughs> you would have had you would have had a, a another ramones movie i think it would have been like um something like that and then um i i think the ramones maybe they do eventually retire they retire a lot later i'll tell you one thing i i don't think that joey or johnny would have died i think part of the thing that killed those guys was retirement. And I think when their bodies slowed down, it allowed like, you know, the stress from touring finally caught up with their bodies. And that's how like, you know, they did a lot of touring. Those guys dressed it. Yeah. Their bodies. I, I asked Monty, you know, I had Monty Melnick, the Ramones tour manager on my show, pizza punk. You should all watch that episode. I asked him, I said, I said to him, I was like, hey, man, you know, it's kind of crazy how they both died of cancer. Well, J Joey, you know, Joey's Joey's decline happened because of a broken hip. But at the end of the day, it was lymphoma that ended up getting him. But they both died with cancer within two years of each other. And I always wondered if like that had something to do with their rigorous touring schedule. It just like decimated their immune systems in a way that they started to uh, the onset of cancer happen. Doesn't explain Marky, um, but I don't know. Who knows, man? Uh, those, are, those are the two dudes who were in the band from the beginning all the way to the end. You know, it's just interesting to me. Um, I mean, Giants tend yeah. to die earlier, I'd say. I don't know if that's a, a scientific fact, but Joey had a lot of body to, to, to keep healthy. <laughs> Right, because Joey was. You ever like, see that picture of me with his pants? No. Oh my god! I have to always explain what it is when I show it to people because it looks like I lost a lot of weight and I'm I'm showing like these giant pair of pants. Um, but my friend Tony, you bet you should have Tony on Pizza Punk. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, he you know he's fascinating and he actually played drums on a D.D. Ramone record. Um, and and live i think once so okay anyways he, he he's a designs clothes or he did and he created joey ramon's pants that he would, was wearing like on tv and when he was doing shows with his solo band before he wow. died and he customized them so that you could um kind of like rip away pants like with the buttons on the side because he was just too big to put on regular pants my so God. they had to actually like button them on and off of him. 
And so through, I don't think it ever happened, but they were supposed to put that out into the world, you know, like as a product. And so I was doing some promos for him and I got to hold up Joey Ramone's actual pants and they're just gigantic. They come up to like here on me. He was six, seven, Joey Ramone. I'm not sure, but he was Something a massive like dude. Yeah, he was a, a, a big dude. And Luke says, "Okay, that's actually the producer who's doing this, the um, the handsome Dick Manitoba thing this oh, week." Oh, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Handsome Dick is doing. Yeah, you thing. should you should talk to Tony. He would be a great interview. Yeah, let's do it. Um, is Handsome Dick? Does he still own Manitobas? You know, what? I don't know if Manitobas is still a bar, and I. Oh my God. Um, I'm shameful to say I don't know that much about his history. Oh, man. You got to listen to Dictator's Girl Go Crazy. His classic, classic album. Just yeah. awesome. Uh, Rue says, same time period, Marky joined Jerry Fitz 01, which was terrible. Same night, I seen them perform. I told Jerry they needed another singer. Marky <laughs> laughed, then, uh, then asked, sorry. Marky laughed. Then Jerry asked for my number, and then I laughed. That's that's an amazing. Uh, you you could know, have Rue, been. No, I think Rue might have told us this story before. I, I, I Rue, I, I, I sort of remember you saying that in the past. That was so funny when he was in the Misfits. He was just playing Ramon's beats and Jerry was <laughs> just putting the the Misfits music over it. It was just like, what the fuck's going on? It's like on? Jerry <laughs> trying to like tell him like how he wants him to play like the the, like, the Misfits beats and and Marky just going, nobody nobody tells Marky Ramon what to do. <laughs> he just does his thing anyway. Yeah, Rue, I feel like that was like two or two years ago you told that story. I remember that story. I remember that story. From the, just like as soon as you said it, like I just snapped back uh memory of you you telling that. Um, but it's a great story. I'm glad you I'm glad you told it again. Uh as we, we tell stories here multiple times. I just imagine Jerry like, no, 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 Marky goes like this, goes like this. As if as if Jerry could tell Marky how to play drums anyway. And then Marky's just like Nobody tells Marky <laughs> Nobody tells Marky Ramon what to do of the world famous Ramones. I took Ramones for 15 years. Marky's Ramones drumbeat. Jerry's just like Yeah. Yeah, no, that's funny. That that is really funny. Um God, those two I will we'll get to find out. We're gonna hear more about that period. We're gonna hear more about that period when um when, I'm sure uh, Dez was holding up. that lineup together. Yeah, Dez, poor Dez. He's just probably like, oh God, what I do for a paycheck? <laughs> like, just you know, or, or shrugging his shoulders, going, eh, it's a paycheck, you know. That's a living. Thing. It's a living, exactly. Right, Blood Brothers, Dick, great Dictators record. Stay with me. I stand tall. Yeah, I have to um, do some homework. Yeah, it's it's great, but it's not uh, my girl, thing. I'm just working it. So, girl, girl, go crazy is my favorite. Um, if you're in New York, record. it's a an event at Berlin, the Club Berlin in New York City on next Thursday. Uh, oh, it's happening I guess it's going to be sort of like a interview retrospective kind of thing. Yeah, not, I think I'm not totally sure. I think he that's just you know he's trying. He was kind of forced out of the dictators, and he. I mean, talk about a guy who could tell you a million Ramones stories too, because he was good friends with the Ramones. Um, 
but yeah, he was kind of forced out of the dictators. Dictators came back, sort of. It's I, I don't know. I I I I, I thought their single was okay. No, they were the band without him. Uh, well, the band started before Hanson Dick Manitoba. There was okay. the band. They had a band. Um, well, anyways, so. that's getting sidetracked. The point right. is, the producer of that show next Thursday, Tony Man, Tony Wolfman, uh, used to make Joey Ramone's pants. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So anyway. Uh. So so yeah. I mean. So in my mind, they they keep going. Maybe they have another decade of life in them. Maybe more. At I least think an they, album or two, you know. I think they would have found success, ultimately. I think they would have found success. I think uh, that they would have found, uh, they would have done a, a, a what's it called, a, a rallying lap, maybe is what it would, what would you call it? Not yeah, you know, lap. they could have done like a, like the last show, but like as a full tour with all the guests coming out, like Tim Armstrong and all those guys. Sure. I think that would eventually, that would have happened, but that would have happened in 2010. Right, right. You know, like I could see that I could, see, you know, and again, you know, it's easy to speculate because I'm sure like, you know, if Monty Melnick, you know, heard us talking like this, he'd probably laugh and be like, man, you have no idea. Like what? Jeff and we joking. don't just to put it out there. We have no idea. We don't. We really don't. But we I don't. just no. I know Epitaph was wildly successful. The Offspring, like I had sure. Offspring and Dookie, you know, when I was in fourth grade grade and it was like the biggest thing in the world to us and yeah, we were the generation like we got into the ramones probably exactly like that like we heard dookie and sure. then we got into the ramones i definitely heard dookie before i heard the ramones or maybe i had heard you know i probably had heard oh, yeah, I oh, yeah i'm sure i was familiar with some of the songs because of pop culture but like actually listening to the, the punk rock you know that came through the mainstream at the time Ryan L. Epitaph, Epitaph says, and I think uh, Ryan L. Uh, says, I think Daniel Ray was responsible for the last great Ramones record being so good. Same thing with the Biswitz reunion record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, he's record. a genius, dude. He's an awesome dude. And but you know, I think under imagine if if Mr. Brett had recorded, had produced the Ramones, you know, uh, Brett right. Gerwitz. And they go I mean, out. That, Stranger than fiction is one of my favorite punk records of the nineties. So, dude, they would have done anything like that. I'd love it. They would have done Warp Tour. They probably would have done Warp Tour every year I'm in the late nineties. Warp Tour. Well, the first Warp Tour was ninety five. Oh. Sublime mm. was on the first Warp Tour, and the wow. Ramones last year as a band was Warp Tour's second year. So, Warp Tour mm. probably wasn't big enough in a way that the Ramones would even you know, want to be right. on that tour. Yeah. I mean, they probably would have, they would have headlined that thing. It would have been a Ramon right. worship fest. But, but the point is, is that like when, as, as, as what tour, you know, grew, so would the Ramones have jumped on those tours. Then, you know, in the two thousands, the Ramones would have just been, you know, we already see, they already had merch at hot topic, but you know, the hot topic, yeah, but would, would come in there. Would that have happened if they hadn't disappeared for a while first? You know, maybe if they were still a current band. I don't know if their merch would be as like the brand that it is now. I well, listen. All I would have, I think, maybe all that stuff would have gone through Epitaph, or people they would have been introduced 
to the right kind of people. They definitely would have been playing with the right kind of bands that would have exposed yeah. them to the markets that they would have been popular. They would have been selling records. And they probably would have had a really good, you know, royalty rate with Epitaph. They, they really could have put put whatever terms they wanted. And, and Tim Armstrong could start writing songs for them. <laughs> as a matter of fact, you know, that's another thing we didn't consider. You have to imagine that people would have been jumping over each other. Fat Mike, Tim Armstrong, um, you know, uh, Bad Religion guys. They all would have been jumping over hand and foot to write a Ramones track or co-write a Ramones track. So they would have had even more. Plus, they still had mm -hmm. Dee Dee writing for them. I mean, they would really, they really set themselves up. Maybe to even like not put them it. on the record, you know, like have like guests sure on their record and sure so the okay all right let's take it back the last all right ready you said they could have done a whole tour with that of that last show but how about this that their album their comeback album is what their final show was basically right? yeah yeah so their comeback epitaph album has With, fucking throw Eddie Vedder on there or whatever you yeah know. they all are fucking on there like they're all on there and then that's the record that you know what that record is? That record is Iggy Pop Skull Ring from 2003. I don't know if you're familiar with that record, but that was I'm, I'm I'm familiar with the record more than the material on it. So that was the that was the Stooges reunion. Yeah. That was that had um some 41 when some 41 was like was Damien on that record, right? It was huge. Uh Peaches was on that record. Oh Green man, Day. yeah, exactly. Green Day was on that record. Except I, mean, I think the Ramones record would have been better because No, but my point my point is not to compare the two. And no, you know who yeah, played yeah. guitar was was Damien. Pete Marshall right. played That's guitar on all the say, yeah. I, I listened to your interview with him about that. Right. So Blood Blood on Your Cool, one of my favorite Iggy tracks is co-written by Pete. Um but the point is is that it would have been that was a big comeback record for Iggy Pop. That's what propelled Iggy and Pop into like remember how huge Pearl Jam was at the time too right so to have Pearl Jam to have Eddie Vedder like, on like the Ramones record they could have done to the Ramones what they did with Neil Young actually actually I'll take it one step further now that we're really blowing this thing wide open there was a tribute record to the Ramones and the Rob Metallica Metallica was on it. Rob Zombie was on it. Yeah, Kiss the Rob did a Zombie record. Yeah, you uh, yep. two did a song, and that and that mm -hmm. would have been yeah, that would have been family. the right. We're a happy family. So what you would have had was you would have had the Epitaph All Star record, and then you would have had the Ramones tribute record. But they both would have been Ramones records, but just with guests. Mm -hmm. Right. And they would have yeah. just and then the Ramones. What they would have done is they would have basically Santana'd themselves. Santana, yeah, who who languished in obscurity, relative obscurity for a while after being, and the only you know, song I know of them is that Rob Thomas song, right? But what Basically. happened was Santana did the most genius thing ever, and it right around the same time period, he did it in '98, so you mm -hmm. know it would have worked because it worked for Santana. And what he did was he just teamed up with every fucking hot pop act of the time. He, he had he had Rob Thomas, he had somebody else. He had he just had all these fucking people at Supernatural. That thing went quadruple platinum, man. I mean, he was he he it, it exploded him. 
And he was mm-hmm. as suddenly everywhere that, again and relevant. And that's what would have happened with the Ramones had they signed with Epitaph. Meanwhile, Gary, oh. Gary just didn't give a shit because he's like, yeah, you know, it's business as usual with the Ramones. And, you know, and they went well, was, with what was safe. I was looking at uh, Radioactive's um, roster and they had some pretty good bands on there. Who do they have? Uh, let's see. Ramones, Big Audio Dynamite, Delight. Wow. Wow. That was awesome. Uh, yeah. Groove is in the heart. Um, yeah, that was a hit. That was a huge hit. Uh, Talking Heads, Arrhythmics, okay. Tracy Lords. <laughs> Whoa. Angelfish, which is Shirley Manson's band before Garbage. So that blew up when Garbage hit. So I know had I had th- that. They had a ro- roster that was bigger was than just good. the Ramones. Yeah, but I guess they just didn't care. It was just like, yeah, we'll do the Ramones thing again. Because they knew they could go to Gary and Gary would give them a huge advance. And that's all that Johnny cared about at the end. That was Johnny cashing out. He's like, and that must Johnny have been the back, back room deals because, like, like I said before, advances usually you have to pay back. So plus, maybe they were just signing, like, hey, man, let me just give you some under the table money to make this happen. Plus a signing bonus, mm-hmm. right? You have a right. signing bonus. I'm and sure. you have. You have like, uh, you know, he probably he he probably was like, look, I have a four or five year end game plan that will net me a million dollars. And you know what's crazy? And here's the other thing, too. Here we are planning out the Ramones alternate universe career, but we're not acknowledging the fact that Joey was really sick. And that's the reality, too. Joey was really sick. Johnny probably knew that Joey was sicker than he maybe let on. And they probably knew that that like we need to part of their hanging it up had to do with Joey's health. And Joey mm-hmm. just could not, Joey had cancer. He had cancer. I think he had cancer in 94 and 95. Like he had cancer in the last couple of years of the months. So we're talking as if they had another 15 years in them. Um, mm-hmm. So I think two things, two factors here, one that everybody's health was good. And two, that they signed with epitaph. And I think the Ramones, probably would have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2010 with the Stooges. They would have hung it up. They would have done all that farewell shit. It just would have happened later. And that would have been the end. And here's another alternate history idea that I just came up with because please, of the connections please. here. So Gary, what's, what's his name? Kurt Kerfist? It's hard to pronounce his Kurt last Kerfist. name, although I can't yeah. pronounce anything on this Mr. channel. Mr. Gary. <laughs> Who's Mr. credited Gary. with uh, getting, or I guess brokering the deal with Shirley Manson joining Garbage, right? Yeah, okay. Maybe Butch Vig would have produced a Ramones record in like 1995. Absolutely. I don't see, I, I absolutely, man. I don't see any reason why. Oh my God. So in that, that alternate history as well, you know, it's like Butch Vig. It's going to be producing Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, L7, Haunted Garage in this alternate history, and and then the Ramones. And yeah, Garbage, I wonder if he course. got any points on, on Nevermind. I'm sure either way it made his career very nice sure. for the rest of his life. For sure. But sometimes if you produce the right record, if you're a producer and you produce the right record, mm-hmm. you get points on that. Could Meaning be. like you are a part of the secret sauce and you get royalties yourself. And, I hope he does you know, because he's really part of the reason that's a successful record. Like a huge part. I mean, uh, Rick Rubin, I think, gets points on all the stuff he produces. And he's produced a lot. Well, he just... also has his own 
thing going on. So that's true. But you look at Blood Sugar Sex Magic alone, like that just that one record that he produced, like the millions of dollars he yeah. probably made from that one record. Like it's insane. It's yeah. literally insane. Um, so I guess that I guess that kind of wraps it up. Rennie says, I'm personally glad that they stopped when they did. They didn't embarrass themselves. I don't think so either, man. I think they you know, they stopped on their own terms. I think they embarrassed themselves a lot up to that point, though. <laughs> really? I feel like I don't they know. Just, I mean, I feel like they didn't go out on top. No, they, they just they kind of fizzled out. It was kind of sad, you know. I, I don't know, man. Because you want to know what the? Because you, you know, I hear, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, my, my counter to that is that they made the conscious choice to stop. They death didn't stop them. Yeah. That's true. Um, you know, like there were so many things that could have stopped them and they were like, no, this is our last tour. And we see that we're like diminishing returns. So we're stopping and we're stopping now. So I think on that level, that's what makes it a success. So yes, you can. Cause I, I gotta be honest with you. The thing that the Ramones that happened with the Ramones is the Ramones were kind of like this unchanging thing and diehard Ramones fans like Rue or somebody will probably be like, well, Jeff, I mean, there's a lot of like mini evolutions. Like you look at Joey's voice changed over the years and stuff, and not for the worse. For I mean, I mean their I, album I production, this. you know, changed. <coughs> but like you go see a Ramon show, it was the same thing pretty consistently. Right, and from the outside of like maybe diehard fandom, I think anybody would tell you it's this unchanging thing. So, what do the Ramones do? Uh, the high, this highly competitive band. What do they do? to keep up with all of the youth bands and all the other bands. Cause Johnny always thought they were in competition. They played faster. They started playing faster and nothing. And here, so here's where I disagree with you in the sense that when you watch that last live show, they are playing so fucking fast. They are such a tight, they are so tight as a band. They are so intrinsically musically uh, synchronized. They are, they, that nobody, Nobody had anything on them. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody was as fast. When you look they at did Johnny, fast better than the Misfits did, I'd I'll tell oh, you. Did fast, they did fast better than anybody. And what's what's scary, and here's a testament to Marky Ramone again, because we kind of bagged on I bagged on Marky. I was kind of ribbing him. Here's a testament to Marky Ramone. Marky Ramone now, and you know, maybe I don't know, maybe he's lost muscle mass, or maybe you know, he's you know, he's what he's I mean, 30 yeah. years older than he was when yeah. he played that final show. But I gotta tell you, Marky Ramone now, when he does those when he when he plays those Ramones that those those Blitzcrag shows on when I watch him on YouTube, like holy shit, that guy is still like us. He's like a well-oiled spring trap. He's mm -hmm. not, he hasn't lost any of his sheen. And it's he like he has perfected his Ramones drone technique. It's a science to him. It's right. Just it's an out he's no longer playing music he is performing a ritual that where where every single like note is measured and accounted for there's no fucking impromptu. bless that man's wrist bless that man's wrist and you got to think like like to fight arthritis as you grow older the fact that his wrist cuz again all of the ramones power the secret to the ramones power is not his arms it's all of it's all in the wrists. Mm -hmm. It's all that wrist action. That this, this, this right here. And I mean, to match right? though, Johnny as well. You know, and Johnny's wrist too. Yeah, absolutely. With those down, with those, Be those between those, those two, that was the Ramon style, really. And and you know, so so 
to counter that that notion, which I don't think is invalid either. I mean, sure they were they were petering out. They were. They recognized it, but that they had arrived at this place, and you know, it's that it's the it's the Malcolm Gladwell outlier principle. They did that thing, the same thing for ten thousand hours, and they were masters of the thing. So now they just needed to put that into some loving hands. Bottled it. Let it, let it get bottled properly. Right. Always played faster live. Says oh, Keith. super fast. Yeah. yeah. Angus says, I bet that. I grew up on uh, Ramon's Greatest Hits Live is really like the album that I grew up on. That's a good, that's a good live, live compilation album. I remember yeah. that one. Uh, Angus says, I bet Johnny Ramon was not a fan of Ramon's core bands. I, I I bet you're right, man. I bet you that would really piss him off. I don't think any of them were really existed. Uh, I don't think those came until after Johnny died, actually. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe some of the earliest. I bet you Although, Joey would have loved them, though. Well, well, the Queers and, and Screeching yeah. Weasel, I guess, count as Ramon's core. So, and they played shows with the Ramones. So that I guess that's what Angus is referring to. Oh, here you go. Yes, this I knew. Um, Rue says CJ wound up on fat records and had an all-star cast on his American beauty album. He had dudes from the adolescence, social distortion, street dogs, bad religion, etc. I love that album. I have not listened to that. Yeah, I don't like know Con it. Conquer, Conquerista, Conquer, like something, uh, or, or yeah. And American beauty. Um, and you know, that is, you know, it's kind of funny that that's the other irony that we do get a little taste of what of that epitaph sort of situation in the fact that CJ signed that? with with Fat Records. I don't know. By the way, fucking Fat Records is produced uh no Fat Mike produced a new Fishbone record which I'm really? super stoked for. Yeah, that's going to be nice. rad. Very very excited about that. Um trying to think what else I wanted to say here for I think we can wrap this up. Sort of shot our wad here. Uh, covered good ground. Um, talking about Johnny Ramone, Ramone's core bands, Screeching Weasel, CJ winding up. Oh yeah, CJ now. So CJ is kind of retired from. He's kind of retired the CJ Ramone moniker as like a music making entity, and now he just plays bass for Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. Really? Yeah. Oh, and I. Used to fill in for Fat Mike, and now I think he is like a permanent bass player, which is a cover band, by the way. Right. Um, they all, all they do is covers. I think he kind of, or at least maybe maybe Fat Mike records in the studio, but CJ does the live shows. So I think CJ's like, yeah, I still get to do my, I still get to go out there, I still get to play live music. I'm kind of, I'm kind of done doing my 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 solo album. I've never explored those solo albums. I yeah. should check those out. Uh, those those CJ Ramone albums. I don't really know much about them. Looks like he produced it himself with um, someone oh, named Paul Miner, who did lots of other fat rec kind of stuff. I have tried uh, a few times to get stereo. CJ. I've tried to get a, a few times to get CJ on this show, and I'm still working on trying to make it happen. It is not happening. What's what, has he responded to you? Or um, he has not responded to me, but I've seen him. I've seen him on other shows where I'm like, "Fuck, man! If he can, goes on that show, he could definitely. I could definitely get him right. on my show. It just hasn't happened yet." Um, you know who's you know who's coming on my show? Actually, I'm excited for um, that that uh, punk rock um, presenter uh, interviewer uh, chick, Erin. Uh, 
You see her oh, with the big spiky oh, yeah, hair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's coming on Pizza Punk. She's cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to her. I wanted to compare notes about interviewing people. She's interviewed a lot of really cool yeah. people. So I'm kind of interested yeah. to pick her mind about that. And we don't pick, have enough women spikes. on this channel. There's never any women on this channel. It's always just dudes. I just like, I need to like. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it, Kevin, put on a dress now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I've had, seriously, I've had like two female guests on my channel, which is kind of. You had Emil in the sniffers. I had who? The sniffers.